Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Shooting Through with Cheryl Ryan from 123 Travel. Located right in the heart of Budrum on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, just minutes away from the beach. As a local resident and owner of 123 Travel, I've been blessed with travelling all over the world to some incredible destinations. So wherever you are, relax and let me take you on a journey. This week we head off to Nepal. I'm Cheryl Ryan and your host this week as we explore the many wonders of Nepal. Arriving into Kathmandu Airport, I thought I would opt to do my visa on arrival. I had read it was a simple enough process. As it turned out, it would be a bad choice. The signage was misleading as I queued in the wrong place for 20 minutes before being directed to an even longer queue where the machines were not working and required manual input of my passport details rather than scanning. After hours of waiting, I finally had my ticket to proceed to the payment counter. I had a credit card and local currency, but upon arrival at the counter, the lady told me US dollars only, and if I want to use my credit card, I was to wait over to the side. She went ahead and processed the entire line of cash payments before returning to me finally. Two and a half hours later, I finally exited the airport. My guide was frantic as he had assumed I had missed my flight. I was just glad he had just stayed waiting for me. Next time, visa online prior to arrival. Make note to self. Glad to arrive to my hotel and finally relax before the busy schedule ahead. I was going to spend three days in Kathmandu with a local charity called Seven Women a project that was started up by a young lady by the name of Stephanie Woolard from Melbourne in Victoria. Seven years earlier, whilst backpacking, Steph had come across seven women in an old tin shed. She discovered upon chatting with them that they had varied disabilities and were making small craft items to sell to just survive. Seven years on and Project Seven Women is booming catering for women with disabilities and young girls from domestic violence backgrounds, an education system and work programs have all been implemented. A cooking school, accommodation are all part of this incredible project. Local director Anita and manager Padam were my guides for the next few days and as we explored the sites of Kathmandu, I was introduced to the wonderful and inspiring workers at Seven Women. I had cooking lessons, Nepalese language lessons, and observed the handicraft section in action. I was privileged to hear Director Anita tell me of her own story of growing up and the difficulties she had faced. She grew up in a small village outside of Kathmandu. Her parents were survivors like many, working day to day to put food on the table. We spoke about some of her friends who had been forced into arranged marriages and others that had simply just disappeared from the village. It is not uncommon for men to enter the village offering the parents up to $500 US for their child, saying they'll give them good work and look after them. They'll receive the monthly income back to the family. Of course, this is the last they see of their child. They are sold off into arranged marriages or placed in sweat jobs to work for nothing. Anita had arrangements for 35 girls when I was there for school scholarships. 
Sadly, by the time she went back to the village with the offer, half of the children were missing and gone. One of the other issues we discussed was the missing days from school that the girls have due to their periods. Over a year, girls on average miss around about 20% of their school year as they cannot, cannot attend due to the lack of sanitary products. She went on to share with me her own journey involving when she first got her own period and how she had to sleep outside the house for a week. It was considered dirty. She also was not allowed to eat with the family or go anywhere near the kitchen. It was difficult for me to understand this given I had celebrated this shift to womanhood with my own daughter and she went on to tell me that whilst walking home from school with two friends, it would be the last time she would see them. Two men pulled up and told the girls to come with them as their parents had agreed to an arranged marriage. As Anita headed home, she made the decision to leave home before becoming the next on the list of the girls to never be seen again. She managed to find her way to one of the larger cities where, the lady, where a lady very kindly offered her a job and a room. She worked for a year before finally contacting her parents to let them know she was okay. As I sit looking at this gentle woman across from me, now director of seven women, wife, mother, it is hard not to be deeply moved and inspired to help her make changes for the young women in Nepal. I discovered that for just $250 per year, I could sponsor one student. I also decided to do my training as an ambassador for another project called Days for Girls, educating and supplying washable sanitary kits. This way, when I travel, I could encompass and empower young women with this work along the way. If you are in Kathmandu, make sure to visit Seven Women, do a cooking class or visit their shop and give them your support. Kathmandu itself is a place that you seem to be constantly lost in and days just blend into one another. It was hot and dusty when I was there, but somehow I fell in love with the chaos of the place. Many people have in their minds that Nepal is all about tracking and climbing and hiking. However, there is so much more to do here. Plenty of relaxing days and walks as I discovered that don't require weeks of training or special hiking boots and sticks. In Durba Square, the historical old royal palace of the former Kathmandu Kingdom is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Sadly, several buildings all collapsed during the 2015 earthquake. Restoration is slow and is still ongoing today. Further out of town is the Pashupatnath Temple, famous and sacred, a Hindu temple located on the banks of the Bagmati River. Established around about the 16th century and dedicated to Lord Shiva, it is a site for crematoriums and along the banks of the river on raised platforms this can be seen. Not for the faint-hearted, so be aware of this when you visit the area and please be respectful. It is open daily and popular with photographers. Lastly, I would suggest a visit to the, the Buddha Stupa, located on the outskirts of Kathmandu. It's a massive mandala, which makes it one of the largest spherical stupas in Nepal and the world. 
the influx of Tibetan refugees has seen the construction of over 50 gompas around the Buddha. Its height is 36 metres and as you walk around you will discover a wide range of stalls selling a variety of souvenirs and other bits and pieces. Take your time to explore the area as there are some great places to eat in the area and some incredible artwork to be found. If you are wishing to find a quiet spot to relax, then head to the Garden of Dreams. This neoclassical garden is built around 1920 and consists of about just under 7,000 square metres of gardens with three pavilions, an amphitheatre, ponds, pergolas and urns. There is also a lovely cafe inside as well where you can enjoy a coffee or a light meal. I took some time out to visit the Palace Museum whilst in the area. Created in 2008 from the complex of the former royals, it has had a sad history for murders, assassins and revolutions. In 2001, Crown Prince Desprender murdered multiple members of the royal family in the palace before shooting himself. The Nepalese monarchy was abolished in 2006 with the last king vacating in 2008. Before departing Kathmandu, I wandered around the Tamil district, one of the busiest neighbourhoods in Kathmandu. It is the main tourist area and I recommend staying here as it has some great shopping and restaurants right on your doorstep. My next stop was a visit to Pokhara, the main gateway for tracks heading to the Annapurna circuit. However, that was not on my agenda. I wanted to visit Lake Fewer, a freshwater lake that legend says a goddess disguised as a beggar was scorned by the people of a Himalayan valley. As revenge, she flooded the valley, destroying villages and drowning those that rejected her, and so forming Lake Fewer, Nepal's second largest lake. Brightly coloured boats will take you out on the water, where on a clear day you will see the backdrop of the towering peaks of the Annapurna and Manaslu mountain ranges. Along the shoreline, you are surrounded by the vibrant street, filled with shops, cafes and restaurants. There are plenty of beautiful day walks to be enjoyed, as you can cross rivers and pass small farms and villages, with locals working. A wonderful place to spend several relaxing days. I then decided to take the long drive south from here and to visit Chitwan National Park. This Chitwan National Park is renowned for its large population of rhinos, around about 300. The park also offers the opportunity to see Bengal tigers, bears and other wildlife. I arrived at the newly built Taj Hotel, situated right on the Rapti River overlooking the National Park. The rooms were spacious with a balcony overlooking the water. Dining each night was shifted around the resort to a different location. The wine list was excellent and the food exceptional. The chef very kindly sharing some of his recipes with me. The cultural program is fantastic and the staff ensure attention to detail with special touches each day. With only 30 rooms, you feel like you are staying in a luxury boutique hotel. Early rise the next morning, I found myself on the Rapti River just outside the hotel. It was only 10 minutes into the boat ride 
when our guide pointed out a large rhino sitting in the water beside the bank. As we drifted a little, little too close for his liking, he rose up suddenly out of his sitting position to one of a charging large stance that nearly saw me fall out of the boat with fright. We quickly moved on and left him in peace. Chitwan National Park is a World Heritage property. Established in 1974, it covers around 932 square kilometres of forest, marshland and grassland. Spotting the one-horned rhino, it turns out, was much easier than the elusive Bengal tiger. We did manage to spot one of these through binoculars drinking Riverside, which was as close as we would all come to seeing on this safari. With over 500 species of birds, there was no shortage of seeing a great variety. I didn't manage to spot any leopards or sloth bears, which I'd hoped to see. At the end of the safari, I went for a wander along the resort road to where I saw some elephants earlier. Not being one to ride animals, I happily followed them down to the water's edge to enjoy the bathing process and lend a hand feeding. It was an enjoyable end to my day and as I sat back at the resort sipping a wine as the sun set over the river, my last evening to relax before my flight back to Kathmandu in the morning. As you can see, Nepal does not need to be about tracking and hiking. It can be much, much more relaxing and enjoyable. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and I look forward to sharing more amazing destinations with you. That's all from me this week. Thanks for listening and remember if you want to support the show then share, subscribe and leave a review or comment. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at 123travelbudrum and on Twitter at 123travelabout. You can also find all my episodes and loads of great travel information on my website at 123travel.com.au. I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Shooting Through.